I've been in this game now for at least 22 years. I've come to realize it's not money, it's the number of people that you're able to serve. If you're a number of people that you add value to, a number of people that are inspired by your journey, by your success, and also by when you're low. 2015, I lose everything completely. When I lost about 150,000 pounds, I quit entrepreneurship. What that made me feel was like, I've just been chasing and chasing through school, being an entrepreneur, chasing through my entire life, nothing is working. I saw myself as a failure. I've been through so much pains and you know ups and downs that you know what people who are of my generation will absolutely just quit and just you know you know stick to the old jobs and all yeah. these different things. If you go through your pain and you're tested, that's okay. But don't let that be the reason why you quit. Let that be the reason why you even want to be successful. And okay. that's when I actually decided to. Welcome to another episode of the Diaries of Success. I'm your host, Hajar Beyaz, and today I have an amazing guest with me. I just want to jump straight into the topic. This guy has gone from being an Uber driver to running a seven-figures property business. I am privileged to be having with me Dr. Daniel Moses. Great to be on the Diary of Success podcast. Thank you. It's a long time coming. We're here now. <laughs> exactly. Finally, right? <laughs> been chasing him for... God knows how many, how many months? A couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, Daniel, who is Dr. Daniel Moses? So I like to want to introduce myself as a man with many hats, a man who has been through the bottom, beaten and back to the top, beaten again down, back to the top. And again, that's one thing about success, right? Success is not just about when you're winning, it's also when you're failing. What did you learn when you're winning? What did you learn when you're failing? So in simplicity, the easiest way to kind of, you know, describe myself, I'm just a man that is driven by passion, whose desire cannot be compromised. That's the easiest way to kind of just describe myself. Wow, that's, you know, you just literally replied to one of the questions I was going to, to ask you later on. But still, let me just ask you that later when the time comes. So you just said passion. Yes. There. You just said failure. Yeah. You just said so many things. What does failure mean to you? So for me, I think failure is good to have, you know, because if you don't fail, you don't win. If you never know what it is to fail, when you win, you're going to take it for granted. Mm. So at every given point in, in life, for me, failure means another lesson learned. Failure means another opportunity to get creative. Failure means another opportunity to just think two steps ahead. So for me, failure is something that is great as long as you understand how to bounce back. Over the last 22 years of my life, I've been beaten to so many times. Hold on, hold on, hold on. 22 <laughs> years of your life? Yep. You look 25, so explain <laughs> that to me. Like, <laughs> So for me, yes. I mean, I, just, I turned 43. I turned 43 years old oh uh, March, uh, the 3rd of March, uh, 2023. So I turned 43 years old and yeah, I'm, I'm, a lot of people think I'm quite young, but I've got a 15 year old son, been married for 17 years. So that kind of show you that, you know. <laughs> to be honest, you share your uh, skincare routine with me later on. <laughs> <It's> cocoa <laughs> <If not>. butter. <laughs> cocoa butter. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, look, the passion that you have really portrays in what, everything you do. Yeah. And that's amazing. Um, and the failure, a lot of people are afraid of failure just because it looks really bad. It's comfort. There is a comfort zone. And outside of that, there is 
the zone of failure, but you were bouncing back and forth from failure to success to being comfortable, then failing and then trying something else. And then tell me a little bit about that and how it started. Very interesting question, by the way. It all started back, like I said, 22 years now. Um, at some point in my life, I actually thought that, you know, or maybe it was just all odds against me. Mm. It was just that maybe I would never make it. It was just that the fact that, you know, maybe I would never achieve or amount to anything at some point in my life. But looking back 22 years I've been on this journey, I went back in writing and talking about it in my new book, which is called The Test. And the reason why I wrote the test was to kind of share to people, especially those who are at the starting phase of their entrepreneurship journey and those who are in the growth stage of their journey, to, to making them understand that you are going to be tested in order before you become successful. So for me, starting this journey for me, I went back to talking about right from when I was in the university. When I was in university, I sold anything sellable. I was the guy who sold anything. And that put me in risk. From the risk that put me into it kind of, you know, created an opportunity that allowed me to escape from Nigeria. Mm. And I talk about that. Got into United Kingdom, no brother, no sister, no auntie, nobody, only knew three people. Okay? Falling backward, falling forward, not having anything at all to look to my left, to look to my right on, but I kept breathing. And as an entrepreneur, that can only come by passion. And that can only come by desire. Now, if you read a book called The Think and Grow Rich, you know, if you, you know, Mr. Seabons and the only thing that made him to continue to be successful and allowed him to become a very successful entrepreneur was his desire. Mm -hmm. And if you look back, every single entrepreneur who were out there who eventually became something great in life, it is two things, desire and passion. Mm. Don't become an entrepreneur or property investor if you don't have the desire and if you don't have the passion. So over the years, looking back from the university days of Mr. or Dr. Daniel Moses now, today, one thing has allowed me to become the person I am now, which is being able to desire where I wanted to be and having enough passion to allow me navigate those anxieties, those depression, you know, Everybody talk about the good side of business, but the fact is that there are days in those months, in those years, that I feel like even, should I end it? Mm. Should I, is it worth it? Or should I just quit completely? And at some point in my life, yes, I did took that turn where I actually quitted this desire of uh -huh. mine and the passion. Yeah. But again, when it's bathed inside of you, when it's inside of you, you cannot die. And so that's what allowed me to be the person that I am. And it's just only the beginning. A lot of people fail to go through that. A lot of people don't want to go through failures, especially in England, yeah. where people think failures are, you know, failure is something very scary. But failure is part of the journey. Losing money is part of the journey. You know, going to have to look, you know, to look for money is part of the process. Look at Elon Musk. Four times he shots the rockets into the sky. But today, look at what he's achieved. So depending on where you want to look at it from, but for me, I think failure is part of the process. Why are people scared to start? There's a, there's a lot of potential out there. There's a lot of people who really have great potential. Yeah. A lot of people who know more than the people who are successful right now. Like yes. So many people, but then they're just afraid to take that step. Is it because 
fear of the unknown or is it because they can't be bothered? You know, I think for me, sometimes it's environment. Mm. If you're in an environment where people are not ambitious enough, all right, that can hold you back. In this journey of mine, I've shared it in different conversations. My, I love my mother so much. She's 87 years old. I love her so much. But I would That's never it. take advice from my mother about money, about wealth, about loan, about leveraging, raising mm. finance. But that's the biggest thing. So that's your first environment. Your first environment starts from the people that are so close to you. Yeah. So normally it would be your mother, your, your father, yeah. your, your aunties, your uncles, the friends, work colleagues. So if you are about to do a transaction, you're about to you know, buy the next property, and you're telling someone you want to get an investor who's going to bring £100,000 to someone who's never borrowed £1,000 before. Yeah. Just, just imagine it for one minute. For the, I mean, for those of you watching, just imagine it. Someone who's never borrowed £1,000, you're telling them you're going to go and raise £100,000. Yeah. The first thing they're going to say to you, do not do it. In fact, here is this case study, here is this case study, here is this kid of those who did it. Negative. And then they fucked up, right? And that's the thing. A lot of people will never start. It's not because of just the fear of failure. Mm. It's just because of the environment. The environment sometimes doesn't just help you as an individual, all right, to just kind of dig in deeper to become the greatest version of yourself. And mm. that's why a lot of people never start because a lot of people are going to the wrong people for the right advice. It sometimes comes from a place of love, isn't it? Well, most people that are trying to protect you not to win it's not because they hate you. Yeah, you're right. It's from the place of protecting you and, you know, you know, place of because they love you, they care mm -hmm. about you. You know, over the last three years of my property investment journey, I've raised about 1.5 million. And I remember the first day my wife, we had a, we had a sit down and I saw that, oh, you know, at that time, you know, I said, oh, we've raised over 1.5 million the last couple of days and that. Yeah. And I hadn't paid it down at that time. And my wife looked at me, she's anxious and looking at me because... She's never ever seen someone that she knows did that and knowing that she's my wife. But when we paid down and paid down and paid down, oh yeah, yeah, we've paid that down now. We only have two, three more hundred thousand pounds to pay and she's more relaxed. Yeah. But the truth is that if you really look at it, if I did not, for example, go out there to raising money from private investors, I would never be able to own multiple properties that I own today. True. So it takes you the ability to sometimes even hurt the ones that you love mm. to give them the life they truly deserve. All right? Because if you're willing to listen to those that love you because of their actually transferring the fear they have about you from the point of love or from the angle of love, and that's where we all end up being in a place of comfort. Which England promotes a lot, especially to people of, you know, mm. you know ethnic minorism. Because... The moment you have the flat, you have one nice car to drive, and people just quit and not maximizing the greatest opportunities that is out there for them to grow. You mentioned something. You said um, the desire of being better and better every time. Yes. Does that stop you from being content where you are right now? It does. You know, sometimes the desire is so big that, you know, a lot of people who especially drove Uber for over 18 hours a day, got to the level of where I owned a few properties now, generating the kind of income that I have, probably would not have a personal assistant, mm. probably would not have a marketing director, operations director. 
and having over eight virtual assistants working, you know, for for them, they would basically not need a lot of. They probably wouldn't even need to build a brand. So desire comes in, and all of a sudden, I need a PA. Desire comes in. Oh, I need a video editor. Desire comes in. Oh, I need a. I need somebody to come in t- to be marketing director. Yeah. So it, those are all desires. A lot of people will build to where where I am now, and would just and that's it, you know. But and there's nothing wrong in that at all. Yeah. There is nothing wrong in that. But yeah, desires sometimes do make you not content. Ted, you know, it does do that. But then again, if the vision, they say if the vision is not big enough, don't dare, right? So yeah, True. the visions have to be big. But are you happy? I am very, 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 very happy. Great. But the truth is, the ambition sometimes, it does ache. When does it stop? Quite a big question. It's a big question. It's a big question I don't even have an answer to. Maybe it's never, it will never stop, isn't it? Because recently I was having a very interesting conversation with my business partner, Kevin. I get so many productive thoughts every single day, mm. every single second, every single minute. And when we sit down, the other day he said, Dan, you're crazy. Mm. You come with this idea, you come with this idea, you come with this idea. And every time we put them to use, we always get results. Great. And he said, you're not normal. You're, you're not normal. I said, I don't know if I'm not normal, but I just think it's a gift. So as far as God is giving me that gift, I do think I need to utilize that gift that yeah. God is giving to me. And until the point where those gifts doesn't work anymore, then I'll probably say, and probably that will lead me to contentment. But I'm still very young. I can put these thoughts to, to books. I can put these thoughts to podcasts like this. I can put these talks to, 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 to being able to lift other people up to be the greatest version of themselves. So until maybe that doesn't happen anymore, then maybe I can probably think of being contented mm. and then think about stopping. But as long as I have, you know, bre- you know I can breathe, I, I have life, maybe, um, I don't know. It's, a, it's quite a very interesting question. <laughs> it is very deep. We can, maybe we can have a, a think about it properly and then in season two, I'll bring you back. Probably, yes. 100%. Yeah. Um, take me back to when you were an Uber driver. Wow. Or, or do you know what? Let's start before that. Let's start from when you were in Nigeria, mm-hmm. before you came to the UK. How was the shift from being a Nigerian man in Nigeria to coming here to the UK and having a very successful life? Because not a lot of people succeed and not a lot of people make it. 100%. And if I remember remember correctly, you were at some point with no documents, found yourself a little bit lost. So let's start from when the moment you actually decided to change your life. First of all, as I mentioned earlier, all the way from Nigeria, I used to sell anything apart from drugs. I became quite known in campus yeah. for selling. Mm. And I would sell anything sellable. The guys likes me. The girls loves me. Especially the girls <laughs> really do love me. No and, doubt. <laughs> and, you know, I started finding myself in a situation whereby I would sell things to people. Mm. And from selling things to those people, 
They pay me some of the money. Sometimes they don't pay me the rest of them. And this was quite challenging. Mm. And in Nigeria, there is still very... Jungle justice is still very high. Jungle justice is when you almost take the law into your own hands. And I think jungle justice still exists in the whole of Africa. And jungle justice just means you just take the law into your own hands. You demand for someone that owes you money. Even the Bible says eye for an eye, for example. So it means that if the person don't pay you, you know, you can fight them or they can fight you, whatever mm. that looks like. So for me, I will sell things to people and people would not, they wouldn't pay me. I'll be oppressed. You know, at some point as well, being a university, I was, you know, I'll probably go out with my girlfriend and I'll be oppressed. Uh, you know, at some point I was slapped in my face heavily, you know, and my car keys was collected, you know, and, and I had to go and give something, you know, part of what I sell to get my car back. And that really started to really, you know, it was painful. Mm. And because these were rivalry groups in campus. So at some point I made that decision and said, you know what, this is no, this can't keep happening. How do I, you know, and the people who was oppressing me said, you have to be, become a member of that particular group. So I actually, you know, talked a little bit about this in, you know, in my, my new book, The Test. So I bowed to that pressure and I became a member of a, of a gang, a particular gang in campus. And that enabled me to overcome the fact that nobody could just come up to me now and slap me and take my car keys or, you know, or, or try to oppress me. At some point, it was good because I felt, okay, I was untouchable. But then once you're in now... Mm, you can't go out. You can't go out in that way. Not just you can't go out in that way as well. It became a bit more violent. The year I actually became a member of this particular groups... At the end, a lot of people died that year in campus. So I had no choice than to say, no, mm. I'm a sales guy. I love good life. And that's exactly what prompted me to looking for visa, regardless of however it took, yeah. to find myself in the UK. No brother, no sister, no auntie, no uncle. I knew three people, one in Leeds, one in Luton, and one in London. And got myself a visa, came to the London, got here however I did, got here, slept on the floor, you know, did a lot of different types of odd jobs. But within a year to two years from the odd jobs, I saved a lot of money and started shipping things back to Nigeria. All right? It was hard. All right? It was hard. If, we, if I was to go deep into the story, we'll be here for the next, who knows? And it was really hard, very hard. And being in here, not able to legitimately work because if you're on a visa you can't work mm. you know no recourse to public funds yes if you're on a visa you can't do so many things all right you can't do business you can't do any of these things yeah. so however met a few people here and there and i would get odd jobs to be here i would get odd jobs like cleaning toilets spraying perfumes in the toilets you know loading cars people's vans in the car in in the streets of peckham and and that was my life it was tough the Cold weather wasn't even friendly, uh, you know, enough. <laughs> it was terrible. Like, literally, you're, you're talking to someone who came all the way from Nigeria and there's consistent heat, 34, 40 degrees to minus one, you know, temperature. To, you know, it was, it was really, really hard. That was tough. And that led me to loneliness. And I, was, I became lonely. You know, I wasn't sure. Maybe just go back to Nigeria, you know, and and I went through all those different massive roller coaster. Cut long story short, within two years of going through that, I met my my girlfriend, 
who's now my wife, 17 years later. Meeting my wife gave me the reason why I should stay in this country because I was already in the mindset of my entrepreneurship life is going to be killed by this. Obviously, the government in Nigeria as well, there's no guarantee when you graduate from school mm. if you're going to get a job and stuff like that. In fact, you can read medicine and you can end up working in bank. You can read banking and end up working as a builder. That's the, that's how, how much 20 years ago looked like in Nigeria. And I'm not from the upper class at all. Neither was I from the middle class of Nigeria. So I'm from the lower, like lower class Nigerian, you know, or or low to mid, probably low to mid. Yeah, my brothers, my family members, mm. you know, you know, they had money, but it's not like we were super wealthy. Right. So we were just okay. My brother owns hotels, you know, petrol station and all of this. And so we were okay. So that's just what, you know, growing up looked like. And then coming into this country and doing all these different businesses. And at some point in my life, I just knew I, I, I was always an entrepreneur. I love selling things. I love giving services. I love giving value. You know, I kind of understood it, but I didn't totally understand as at then that I was an entrepreneur. Maybe you might want to say a hustler because I hustled to sell anything. I hustled to just make a living. And it was a choice that I made at the very young age of my life. Cut long story short, uh, as of 2006, when I met my wife, got married. Again, that came with its own challenges because a lot of people felt like, oh, maybe I was getting married to my wife because I had an agenda. You know, maybe that's how I, I needed to stay in this country. So both my family, her family, friends, everybody talking. Mm -hmm. But anyway, cut long story short, that allowed me to stay in the country. My first child came, Abraham. He's 15 years old now. Then a couple of years later, my daughter came, Angel. And that's just exactly how my life looked like. 2012, I'm like, okay, I'm trying to do different types of businesses, but it doesn't look like I have a business. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Relocated back to Nigeria, started oil and gas. Uh, I started doing logistics, so which means I would move petroleum products from one depot to the other. Mm. And eventually that went well. That was the very first time I started to really have the fulfillment of, okay, wow, it's been five, six, seven, eight years of grind. No, actually, not five, seven, seven, seven years. Up to 2012, that'll probably be about eight, around about eight, 10 years. And life is getting settled. I'm going back to Nigeria, back and forth. And all of a sudden, my business is all right. 2015. I lose everything completely. Why? I lost over 150,000 pounds in a truck fire blaze. So two of my trucks moving pro pro petroleum products from the northern part of Nigeria to the west, sorry, from the western part of Nigeria to the northern part of Nigeria, 65,000 liters of petroleum products. They ran into each other, fell into the valley, burst into flames, products, trucks, completely burnt to hatch, hatches. The lock had nobody died because if someone died, that would have been something else. Probably I'll probably still be feeding and looking after the children of those drivers, but nobody died. And that was very challenging moment. And how that's did, when I actually decided to quit entrepreneurship. How did that make you feel? I actually quit. 
when that happened to me, when when I lost about 150,000 pounds, I quit entrepreneurship. And yeah. I became, a, I, what that made me feel was like, it's like I've just been chasing since 2000 and, you know, I've just been chasing and chasing through school, being an entrepreneur, chasing through my entire life. Nothing is working. I saw myself as a failure. I saw myself as a disappointment. I saw myself maybe there was something beyond me that was working against me. That's just what I saw. Did you enjoy doing that? When I was an Uber driver? No, in petrol. Like I loved it. Like I said, that was the first time I felt fulfillment. That was the first time I felt successful. But losing all of that, I went through, I, I became depressed. I went through a major depression. Was I going through that depression, going through a panic attacks, you name it. My life was just, you know, it almost ruined my marriage. You know, between that period, I tried to get it all together. You know, my wife is even looking at me like, when is all these battles going to end? I've got two young kids I need to look after. My father... I didn't have the opportunity to have been looked after by my father. So my responsibility to my children is whatever I did not get from my father, I need to get it. I need to make sure I'm that person in the life of my children. You know, so I felt completely disappointed. I felt lost. I felt like I'm chasing shadows. Mm. I just felt like, to be honest, I think I was quite fortunate not to be suicidal. But because that's the only thing I've never, in my entire, every single challenge I've ever felt in my life, I think the only thing that God has always, you know, done for me is never to have thought, okay, let me take my own life. But the kind of pains and trials and tribulations I've been through in my entire life, I think financially, emotionally, physically, and mentally, a lot of people probably would have lost it. Mentally. I'm just looking at, as an outsider, I'm looking at the picture and I'm like, oh my God, this man has survived quite a lot. Also, having a family that's relying on you, I mean, I personally wouldn't know what I would have done. I share something in my book, and I think I'm not going to give it away. Top one in my life, I had legal battles that I couldn't even come back. I went out of this country, and I couldn't come back for a year. And I share that in my book. I'm not going to give that away. But those who want to know about the story, and this is why I wrote the test, because not everybody's going to, not everybody's going to pass through a test. But to some of us, majority of us, we pass through tests and some of us end it mm. and say, no, this is too much. Yes, and so many people do that, you know. I mean, look, even us, we're sometimes, I would say, guilty of it. Guilty because our reason why is not strong enough to continue. Listen, I've had situations, I'm like, you know what, fuck that. I was just... <sighs> It's too much for me. I'm a female. Why don't I just get a man who's yep. stable, look after me, yep. you know, and I don't want to, I don't want the hustle and I don't want to deal with it all. But I'm like, am I worth this? No, I'm just way better than just rely on someone else. What was the reason for you at that time to actually bounce back and come back even stronger? I think one of my biggest reasons why to always bounce back, I started family at a very young age. I got married at the age of 26. You know, got married at the age of 26. By 28, I had my first child, Abraham. So got married. My first son was given birth to in 2008. You know, my son, my children are my biggest reason why I can't fail. They're my strength. Like, they are my strength. You know, my son, my daughter, I look at them, you know, and... Even when the whole world is crashing on me sometimes, when I look at them, 
I have this renewed strength, new, renew, renewed hope. And that goes back to tiny back to how my bed looked like. My father married, you know, seven wives. I'm the 26th born of my late father. So you have 26 brothers and sisters. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. My father married seven wives. And uh, and 26 born of my late father. I don't know some of my step stepbrothers. I don't know them. I grew up in a very interesting African home. And I've always promised myself not to be that version of my dad. My son right now, he's 15. We relate a lot. Yeah, it's, you know, kids, it can be a bit annoying sometimes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I was like, you know, Abraham, don't do that. Again, raising kids in this country is not easy on his own. So my biggest reason why is without word of a doubt, it's my children. And then my biggest reason why is my wife. You know, I came to a country where nobody knew me. I came to a country where their process, their procedures, their system, this institution. And you can't, you can't go around that institution. You have to have legal resident permits and all of that to survive in this country. So when I came here, I couldn't do a lot of things that normal people would do because you don't have papers. Mm. And my wife has stood by me fighting all those different battles. Wow. You know, for those who are British nationals would not understand what it is to have citizenship. You know, the yeah. red book you hold in front of you, you don't know what it is. I can relate to you. And for me, not having that, yeah. like my son would never understand what it means to apply for a, a you know, a to apply for a visa. And wait, and just whether pay, to be rejected. And to the USA. Wow. You know, oh, I'm going to Canada tomorrow. Yeah. You don't yeah. understand all of that. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like, when you've come from a lot of hassle, a lot of bitterness, a lot of fight, mm. a lot of, different situation to be where I am today sometimes I just like God thank you mm. well look I've I've met both of your kids I met your lovely wife and you have a beautiful family and thank I you. and I can only say that they are very privileged to be having a dad like you a husband who is supportive who is also caring about them because someone else would just be like you know what I'll just get a job and they will live off whatever there is, right, on the table. But um, they're also involved in your business. They're yeah. they're also very entrepreneurial. So I can see what you're doing, you and your missus. It's just beautiful. So uh, congratulations and well done appreciate for raising that. amazing and beautiful daughter and son. I appreciate uh, it. Thank you. Well, you know what? Let's let's lift the bar a little bit off and you yes. know, let's, let's change the atmosphere let's a little bit. <laughs> we'll come back to this just in a minute. We have a game that we play with our guests. We like to know, we like to, to talk to their subconscious. Okay. So we like to play a game uh, and it's time for Would You Rather. But before we do that, I would like to ask you to click that subscribe button to ask us all your questions. Let us know who you want to see in this studio. If you have questions for Daniel, what are your questions? You know, he's very inspirational. Just reach out. You know, have the buttons down below. Click subscribe. Follow us on all our social media as well because we make sure we bring you the best of the best of the guests. Without any further ado, let's get in the game. And that's the Would You Rather. Daniel, okay. I'm going to ask you a few questions. And I want you to answer me in a split of a second. Okay. Feel free. If you don't want to, to respond, it's okay. 
but you would have to sing instead. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a hot seat now. You put me in a hot seat. Oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll come back in, in, in later on. You just give me a, an answer. Without giving me a reason why, I'll come back to some of the, the answers later on, okay? Okay. Nigeria or the UK? UK. Property or mentoring? Property. Singing or dancing? Dancing. One million pounds or one million followers? One million followers. YouTube or writing books? Writing books. Money or love? Money. Money or family? Family. Rob Moore or Samuel Leeds? Ooh. Quick, 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 quick. Quick. Uh, Rob Moore. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 10 million pounds or going back to, six, to being a six-year-old knowing everything you know right now? Say that again. 10 million pounds or going back to when you were a six-year-old knowing everything you know right now? Six-year-old. DIY or DFY? So do it for you or do, do it yeah, do it yourself or done for you? Done for you. I think that's all you know. You, you answered, answered all your questions. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked at some of the answers, actually. <laughs> How'd you find that? Amazing. I love it. You know, I love it. Yeah, I really do love it. Well, you know what? Let's see our audience. Would you agree with Daniel? Give me what your answers are. Um, I would love to know how I'm going to put a poll as well and see how what the audience if they if they feel the same thing or if they agree with you if they uh, we know there is a fight coming between um, Rob Moore and Samuel Leeds very very soon. So why did you say Rob Moore? Interestingly, uh, the reason why I said Rob Moore because I I had the opportunity of meeting him in person mm. uh, recently. I have met someone Leeds at the beginning of my property journey about six years ago. I went to one of his events way back. This is way, way long time. Mm. So I met him at the point where I was just on my journey myself. And I met Rob Moore where I think by the grace of God, I have got a lot of fulfillment around me. So far, so good. So it's just based on longevity. So who I most met recently and who I met before. Mm. So um, I had the opportunity of having a great chat for just about a few minutes and um, I got sold on him. So that's why I said Rob Moore. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. You said UK over Nigeria. Yes, I said UK over Nigeria because um, at the moment, I left Nigeria 20, you know, almost 20 years now. I've left Nigeria over 20 years now or approximately 20 years now. Uh, Nigeria hasn't changed that much in terms of a conducive environment. So what's government? The government of a country produces the conducive environment for business to thrive. Mm. All right. And Nigeria has completely failed in producing that environment for businesses to really thrive. Um, over here in the UK, the government has produced the environment for businesses to thrive. Mm. The infrastructure is there. The, plafs, the platforms are there. The supports are there. But the Nigerian system is still based on who do you know, who do you know, who do you know? Because it's all about it's Nigeria is when you talk about a nation that you can only prosper through who you know, that's Nigeria. So for me, I think in order for me to do what I'm doing now, I didn't need to know nobody. I didn't need to shoe shine. I didn't need to babysit anybody to do what I've done in six years since 2016 till now. So I choose UK. And besides, for the first, I've, I've been in England for just almost 20 years now. For the first 12 years of me being here, I went back and forth, went back and forth. And I've never had such a stability over the last six years. I've chosen not to travel. 
and I've had tremendous stability than I used to before. So yeah, I choose UK over that. Beautiful. Personal reasons. Thank you. Thank you. You said one million followers. Over one million pounds. Uh-huh. Yes. Don't get it wrong or right. The truth is I'd rather have one million followers mm-hmm. than to have one million pounds. Because over time, that one million followers can make me a hundred million. But over time, if I have one million, the one million can absolutely disappear. Mm. So one of the things I've learned as an entrepreneur, as you mentioned, I've been in this game now for at least 22 years. I've come to realize it's not money. It's the number of people that you're able to serve. If you're a number of people you're trying to add value to, is a number of people that are inspired by your journey, by your success, and also by when you're low. So if I have 1 million people, the chances are I could become a billionaire by servicing 1 billion people. Let's do this very simple mathematics. you got a phone right there, right? Mm -hmm. Let's do a simple calculation. Let's do a calculation. If 1 million people pay me 100 pounds a month, how much is that? So you think 1 million, all of them would pay you 100 pounds a month? Let's just assume 100 people, sorry, a million people pay me 100 pounds a month. So that they will... That will be hundred, obviously hundred million. We don't need to do that. Exactly. So and that is that. So the truth is, you know, you want to have a million people that knows you by your name, know mm. who you are. I give an example. I don't even have a. I think I've currently got less than a hundred thousand followers, or approximately about hundred thousand followers. Someone said to me, Daniel, I was going through depression and anxiety, and I listened to when you went deep and talked about when you went through your anxiety and your depression. Yeah. And just by listening to that alone. He said, I feel like I'm gradually coming out of depression mm-hmm. and coming out of, you know, those, you know, th- those dark moments. Yeah. Someone also said to me the other day, um, I'm inspired by how you carry your wife, you know, and I'm just inspired by what I see, how you carry your wife on media. And I've gone home and that's made me a better person better man uh, because a lot of marriages don't even last a year or two or three or four and you've been there for at that time i met this individual i think i was probably married for about um 16 years and i said yeah but that came from three years three times divorce attempt once upon a time myself and my wife we almost said you know well, let's end it but again these things that you you know we're saying out of our subconscious mind just sharing how we feel and how we manage ourselves sometimes, you never know who that's inspiring mm-hmm. or who that's helping. So for me, I'd rather go and make an impact in a million people's life. Eventually, they want to buy my product. I just wrote a second book. One million people buy my book. You know, a publisher is going to want to reach out to me to want me to become a published author next time. So it's all about who knows you as well not just about the money but get people to know you true even if 10% of that will buy your book for 10 pounds that still will make you a 1 million pounds in it exactly well fair enough fair enough thank you thank you you said writing books over youtube yes is that because you don't like making content or everyone can make a content mm. not everyone can write a book i have written my two books i have personally written my two books and in the nearest future, I will be, obviously, I'm, I'm expanding and I have an ambition to write more books. 
And God willing, one book is going to be coming out from me per year. And it's going to be talking about life. Nice. Because the devils I was seeing before I got to seven figures is not the same devil I'm going to see when I get into eight, nine figures. True. So I want to share that with people. In the test, because I I read the introduction. (laughs) (laughs) So in the test, you said you are aiming for nine figures in the next 10 years. Yes. How How are you basing those figures for? I'm basing the figures because this is not just what Dr. Danny Moses and my entire team and my business partners, Kevin, Millie, what we're building, it's not just a UK base. We're looking at, we're aspiring to go global and we're aspiring to go into four other countries. So that'll be five countries in total. I don't want to name this country yet. Mm. And God willing, we will succeed in 10 years. And when we succeed in 10 years, it's very easy to to duplicate what we've successfully duplicated here in the UK into those countries. And that even probably might even supersede and lift up the bar. You know? Yeah. I mean, I've always had the ambition to build big, not build small. Yeah. So, and one of the reasons why I have an American mentor, you know, I love the way the American people do their things. They're very, you know, they're very out there. They're buoyant. They're bullish. In the UK, we're taught to play very safe. Why? I don't know. You know, it's a different conversation for another day. If we mm. go in there now, we're not going to come out. Oh in yeah, we will. We and I, I can, I can go deep into that. UK entrepreneurship is taught to be played safe because you don't want to fail. Do you think it's because of the government? Because obviously, it's they, they, they have this uh, idea in us that they always show us we have to go to uni, we have to succeed, we have to get a good job, we have to, you know, work for the government. And they're making sure they're providing everything for you so that you can have that comfort that will suit them so that you will never leave your comfort zone. Yeah, it's a very interesting topic uh, because the nine to five is security. You know, people love to be secure. You know, you know, yeah, missing your direct debit, it's a big deal. You know, having to tell someone, sorry, I can't pay you today, let me pay you tomorrow, is a big deal. It's mm. it's your credibility. Oh, you're not a man of your work. But again, in entrepreneurship, those days will come. There are times where there are months, there are months I've seen, uh, you know, hundreds of hundred thousand pounds in my bank account. There are months where I had to rely on my direct debit, uh, on my overdraft. Mm. There are times where, you know, some bills have come through and I'm like, Kevin, what do we need to do to, to make sure we pay that bill? Mm. And we've got to go, and go out there to get creative and pay that bill. And these are things that entrepreneurs do. But in entrepreneurship, people genuinely think you have to always have it all right and correct. It's absolutely bollocks. There is no source in a smooth sailing. And because of that, you know, nobody wants to do that. Everybody wants to play safe. And then the government comes in you know, to like, you know what, the nine to five job is great. The you know, you know, you know, get a job, get a job, get a job. Everybody's, you yeah. know, the government pushes you to get a job, and you get a job, and we're all happily ever after because we have that steady income that comes in at the end of the month. Security, security, but that security is not really security because people are leveraging debt and leveraging debt in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people have forty, sixty, seventy thousand pounds income, but they yet in their overdraft, and people are secured in that. But I'd rather be sec- I'd rather be unsecure and then create a business, all right, regardless of how I've leveraged to create it, 
maybe support the government and employ more people then, if that's the case. But again, entrepreneurship is played too safe in the UK. Thank you. I agree with you, totally agree with you. I, I hate working for someone else anyways. It's not like... <laughs> I actually cringe <laughs> when I remember uh, how I used to make other people rich and, you know, because they're using my skills, using what I know. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I think I'm the, I'm very good at what I do. And I'm someone who really likes to give a hundred percent, whether it's for me or for someone else, regardless. Yeah. So I think when I was looking, when I look back and I see how much they were making from my back it's just that's a very interesting conversation right there uh you know if you if you probably say yes i'm bringing a lot of value to this organization and oh they're making so much money but how much am i getting if you look at it from that perspective well i probably say if you become an entrepreneur because of that sometimes a lot of people who look at it that way it can be very very contradicting. I use the word contradicting because if you look at what value you're bringing and what your company is making mm. to be to make that as a decision to becoming yeah. an entrepreneur, the chances are a lot of people are not going to win like you. I'll probably True. put a number to it. 99.9% of people who go through and becoming entrepreneurs through because of that, they end up failing absolutely. because they don't understand the sleepless night that comes from being an entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, it's not the reason why you have to become an entrepreneur because look, I know so many people who are in a nine to five that are happy. I, matter of fact, I have one of my be- I have one of my best friends yeah. who is in a nine to five, and she is very content. And I think the fact that she that's the life she chose and that's the life she's happy with, yeah, amazing. And and just to add to that as well, a lot of young stars who are probably going to listen to this podcast and probably going to engage with this podcast, or those who are not going to engage with this podcast, a lot of people are actually you know jumping into entrepreneurship but mm-hmm. not understanding they're not entrepreneurs they're just side hustling mm. so mm. because there's different layers to this a lot of people think uh, you know you know i'm an entrepreneur but actually you're not an entrepreneur you're 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 side you're doing you're having a side hustle i yeah. don't want to work for anybody i work for myself self-employed yes you're not still an entrepreneur you're you're having a side business when you become an entrepreneur is when actually when you start to have a company, what is a company? A company is a group of people, you know, True. coming together to to produce one common goal that benefits all. Whether you've been a partner or whether you've been an employee, but True. it's one common goal. So, and this is one of the things a lot of people who are on YouTube, a lot of people who are listening to podcasts need to understand. Entrepreneurship is not for everyone because being an entrepreneur is hard, is tough. It is. You can be on a night out and some your ring your, your phone is still ringing. It doesn't happen when you are, when you are in nine to five, right? But then, obviously, it's different different views. Absolutely. On on how you want to live your life. I'm happy being able to go on a holiday whenever I want to yeah. without really having to report to someone. But obviously, I am really happy with the fact that I have 15 employees in my in my organization who are also comfortable. You know, like they like to do what they're doing. In the future, if they want to have their own, uh, their own ventures, by all means, no hard feelings. But then, if they're comfortable now where they are, beautiful. Well, it's, I think it's an interesting conversation. Quite a very interesting conversation. But me, over the last twenty-two years, especially over the last three years, I've come to actually realize when I speak to new B entrepreneurs, it's very clear that actually they've jumped into entrepreneurship, not understanding entrepreneurship, and actually they are side hustling rather than. Yeah, you know, actually being an entrepreneur, 
Um, obviously, there are different degrees and different levels to what this topic is. There's on, there's an entrepreneur side also. There's entrepreneur business owner. There's entrepreneur empire builder. Mm. You know, and there's an entrepreneur who is the investor as well. You know, so if you want to look at it in my own understanding, these words are mine. You know, the way I've broken it down, it's just my own perspective. That's what I mean by mine. If you want to look at it, a lot of people look at entrepreneurship from the fact that, hey, Dr. Daniel Moses or Hajar, all right, oh, he's doing well on, you know, doing this, doing that, have 15 employees, but I'm going to be them. But then again, they're missing the gap. The gap is what did it took Daniel to go from here to there? But most times they want to jump. What did it take Hajar to build in a business that now have 15 people? But most times people want to jump. Like I said, I've been on this journey, you know, uh, I can only call myself a successful entrepreneur in the last three years. Obviously, I had my own different setbacks and I had to be tested in order to make that transition. Most people don't want to pass the test. Mm. And most, most people don't want the transition. And most people just want the result. So when they get in, they get out. So they get in and they quit. Another journey. Another journey. Interesting. So you chose family over money and money over love. Very contradicting, isn't it? No, it's just that it's it's um it's a triangle, right? It's a triangle, right? Yeah. It's a triangle. So let's talk about that. Let's fix that. You know, I love my wife a lot. Um, being dedicated, loyal, and same back as well. And probably in twenty in seventeen years, I've been married to her. I'm very been you know. Let's just this is in life in general. If I did not win at every single point in time to generate a level of success that we have, there's a major chance that she could be like, okay, now, I think I've had enough. And that's the enough here is nothing is working. But when something is working, with all our love, we automatically help to come and support it. And what is that support? The support is that we're actually creating something that gives us money. And people... This is quite a deep explanation. Mm. Now, when you jump out of your bed in the morning at 5 a.m. to get ready for work and then be at work for 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning, what are you chasing? Money. Not love. Not, not love. You're not going to work because you love your job. A very high percentage of people don't love their job, but they love the money. But And this is the reason why I said in England, you know, I just think somehow, if you look into colonialism, if I'm right, if I pronounce that right, somehow the word, the way English has been created, somehow we love to use the word correctly, use mm. English correctly. But if you look at if you look if you look at history, and I don't want to be part of that sort of history that is quite there's a lot of deception in mm. there. But money doesn't make you happy. But when you wake up in the morning, what pays your bill and why did you go to work? It's money. It's money. That's a bullshit, yeah. It's money. It is. You know, money is a very huge substantial part of our coexistence on this planet. Matter of fact, actually, it's the lack of it is what makes a lot of people um, unhappy, a lot of people depressed, a lot of people get go through divorce, a lot of people, you know. I've been rich before and I've been broke before. I've made money and I've lost money. Every time I have so much headaches is when I don't have money. Every time I have palpitations is when I don't have money. Totally agree, you know. 
So let's just call a spade a spade. Let's let's be very open and honest. People say, oh, no, it's the money. Mm-hmm. You know, people come and people, a lot of people, I mentor and coach a lot of people, you know. And in a, we were having a very interesting conversation just now, right, mm. before we started the podcast. And I said, at the end of the day, most coaches don't like to talk so much because when they end up speaking too much, they're actually giving what could be monetized, correct? So sometimes you see you withdraw. You never answer direct questions Mm -mm. because you know if you give the answer straight away, you're actually giving your money, you're leaving money on the table. When you go to a solicitor for a 30-minute consultation and they charge you about £60 an hour, what are you paying them for? The years they went to school for, what does it end end at? Money. Mm. So let's just be very transparent about this conversation. It's money before love. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. <laughs> I think I think we're on the same page with that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, you said going back to six years old, knowing everything you know right now. Oh, you know, I over just, ten million pounds. You know, I think, you know, I'm forty three years old. I just, I I really feel like if I got myself into having a mentor at a very young age. And guided correctly, you know, no disrespect to my, the people who raised me, you know, going back all the way to six years old, if I saw the opportunities, if, if other people saw the opportunities of who I am at the mm. age of six, all the way to my age now, I think my life could have been conditioned correctly, you know, and this is one of the things I, I have a 15 year old son and every single day when me and him have a conversation and he disagrees with me. And I, I always make sure I tell him this. I've spoken to you as a father. I was once like you. If you choose not to understand these principles of business and you don't follow it, when you get to the point of reasoning, you were going to remember me that I said this to you. And every single time I said that to him, and that's why my, my son closes from school. He gets on the bus. He's at home. Straight home. Mm. He goes to football. He finishes football straight at home. A lot of people, a lot of kids grow in this country, all right, and somehow, especially black kids, all right, and having these arguments all the time where they've adept, adapted setting culture and not actually listening to being guided. It takes a whole village to raise a child. So if I knew what yeah. I know now from a very, you know, knowing, you know, developing myself. I remember going to school, my mother would say, read books. I'm writing books now. Why did I not read books when I was in school? Mm-hmm. Really well. I read books, I, you know, but I did not read it to interpreting that knowledge myself. I had a very, very interesting conversation with my child yesterday. And he said, oh, dad, algebra, I'm not going to use that when I'm at work. When I get older, I said, okay, that's fine. But it's part of the necessity that you need to say, oh, I'm, I watched that video and this video on YouTube. It says, school. I said, listen, it's still part of the process. Yes, we get it. Formal education doesn't make you a fortune. Self-education will make, you know, formal education makes you a living and self-education will make you a fortune. I get it. But it's a matter of you compressing and yeah. deconstructing information that makes you the most creative person in the room. So if I understand creativity that comes with what I know today, yeah, I'll be maybe five times more successful than I am today. So what, for those of us who are raising kids, I raise my kids to be creative every single day. I raise my kids. My son is so creative. My son could sell you anything. 
and you're going to buy it. That's how crazy as he is. My son can make you do something for him. That's for me is creativity. And I wish and I skills, knew that yeah. creativity mm. skill from a very young child and how to utilize it correctly. Beautiful. So what's the business that you're doing right now? So right now I'm actively buying houses, uh, actively raising money. Um, one of our biggest goals for the year 2020, you know, for the next 12 months is to raise 3 million pounds. So actively at the moment, I'm trying to raise much more money as, as much as I can. Um, again, if I knew the importance of leverage, I would have started leveraging even quite earlier. So I'm actually, you know, leveraging as much as possible to duplicate more houses that will appreciate over time. So that's what I'm very active doing, number one. What else am I actively doing, number two? What else I'm actively doing, number two, is working every single day, developing and creating my, my personal brand. And thirdly, is writing more books. And I think you forgot one. Yes. <laughs> Remind me what that one is. You're helping entrepreneurs to start their journeys, aren't you? Absolutely, yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, sometimes I forget because I just think that helps. I just think people know about it. And I might, I'm very wrong on that. Yes, I help entrepreneurs, you know, build business empires in property. Yeah. Uh, I help business entrepreneurs, you know, transition from entrepreneurs and also becoming property uh, investors. So, and, I, and that's what I do. I just help people create wealth. Yep. Create wealth. I oh, love that. I help people create wealth. Yeah, that I, just, is, I help people create wealth. That, that's, that's really inspiring. Yeah. So what would you say to anyone who is literally lost, wanted to start, not knowing how to do it, where to do it, literally whether they have money or don't have money, whether they are young student at crossroads or already of a certain age so what would you say you know looking back six years i've been in property and i've been a very successful one indeed is um actually came up with something called the wealth creation formula which starts from you getting knowledge all right and setting yourself a five-year plan so against all the odds that a lot of other people who are coaches and mentors teaches on social media every now and then. So I said to people, when you get into property, don't think about getting rich in three, six months, but build a plan, set a five-year plan. All right. So first you want the knowledge. You want to have the knowledge. Secondly, you want to set yourself a five-year plan. Forget about the instant gratification. Mm. Forget about all the lovely photographs and, you know, Lamborghinis or uh, Phantoms or, you know, expensive cars you see people post on social media but just within the wealth creation formula get knowledge set yourself a plan and have the most important skill in this business which, which is? is raising finance beautiful now we're coming to the, the end of this podcast um it's an amazing conversation we've been having it looks like just went like just like that but i want to talk about the book very very um, quickly because I know it's coming in next few weeks yes absolutely so, it's available for pre-ordering now is it yes people can go and pre-order the book beautiful so what we're going to do is I'm going to put a link in the description box yep. so that everyone who listens to this podcast can grab a copy and make sure you grab a copy because I read the introduction and it's oh my god I can't wait for the book to come out I'm going to be with like among the first people who's going to get the book 100%. I loved your first book so I'm definitely I'm sure I'm going to love the second one. And this is so beautiful as well because it's not about properties, it's about life. Yeah. 
challenges and trials and you know how you turn pain it's what we've been talking about right yeah, now it's isn't just it? turning pain turning your a lot of people have gone through so much pain but they're stuck not knowing how to turn that pain into success can i ask you a question daniel why do we wait and uh, listen i'm also again guilty of this why do we wait until something has happened in our life gives us pain for us to actually want to change why don't we just do it from the beginning it depends on how you're raised so god willing my children might not have to go through the level of pain that i've been through in order mm. for them to become successful so my son automatically understands success right now he understands longevity he understands the ability to destroy you know instant gratification mentality and just go for for gold so he's got a father who migrated first generation immigrant who's migrated from nigeria to england and has built a name for himself today in england so the the other day he, you know my wife went out to a restaurant and somebody saw my wife and said oh you're daniel moses wife and the person paid f for the meal right paid for the meal and give my daughter a, a, you know a, you know a gift you know because of the name i have mm. so he's not going to have to go through some pain level to you know to attain some great level of success mm. because he's been you know a lot of things he's heard over and over and over and over again that somehow organically and naturally has been embedded in him for me I, I I had to go through pain of coming to this country. Yeah. I have to go through pain of settling this country. I have to. I've been through so much pains and you know ups and downs that you know what people who are of my generation will absolutely just quit and just you know you know stick to the old jobs and yeah. all these different things. And again, that's okay or good or you know for them, all right? But for me, I chose not. I chose not to accept that as okay or good for yeah. me. So some of us go through that pain before we take action. Some of us don't need to. Some of us might not even ever have to go through pain to going through that. But the reason why I wrote the book, The Test, means that if you go through the test, if you go through your pain and you're tested, that's okay. But don't let that be the reason why you quit. Let that be the reason why you even want to be successful. Let your divorce be the reason why you want to be successful. Let your, you know, not having immigration status be the reason why you need to be recognized by the king. You know, let your reason why, you know, you don't have money, you created much more money that your immediate environment have an impact. You know, so let your struggles be the reason why you want to become friends with those who are wealthy. Mm. You know, I recently, you know, one of our New Year resolution, or rather one of our, one of our New Year goals was to just connect with high network people. And we've been doing that so crazily this year. So the goal this year is simple. Get connected with wealthy people. So let that be the reason why you want to be able to win. You know, don't let a lot of people quit because of that. Oh, I can never be friends with Hajar. So I will never make effort to reach out to Hajar. I will have to say uh, thank you very much, Daniel, for being here. Uh, I'm sure everyone here is getting a lot of value from what we're saying. Uh, we'll definitely, definitely bring you back because this is, this is, this is so interesting. Uh, you said yes, so you agreed already. 100%. 100%. I'm sure you liked this episode. Give us a like, a subscribe. And if you reach out, you want to reach out to Daniel. He's Dr. Daniel Moses on all social platforms. Thank you for watching this episode. And until the next episode, do not forget to live your best life. That was Hajar Beyaz in the Diaries of Success. <laughs>